Okay. Welcome to Odd Shape Balls, a weekly look at all things NFL and rugby. So, David, should we start with the most disappointing news from the weekend, which is that Finn Russell let you down emotionally? Look, we've all been let down by somebody who we thought was the love of our life. <laughs> and it's a tough couple of days after that when you realise that they're not perfect. Um, I don't know how we're going to move on from this. I don't know how I'm going to... I don't know how many more strikes of the anvil my delicate little heart can take. <laughs> but Finn, please, please come back to us as the film we know you are. I don't let's look at what happened. Yeah. Right. So they had a game plan. Finn Finn is the best tactical kicker in the game. Mm -hmm. It normally spreads the ball wide in order to spread the defense. And then once the defense is spread, then you can have attack from their very talented back three. Mm -hmm. And they seem to come out with that type of tactics right from the get-go. And then they abandon it immediately. And this wasn't this wasn't like the England game where they ripped up the, the game plan at half time having been 30 points down this was them ripping up a game plan after conceding one try and admittedly it was a very quick and brutal try that happened and just made you feel like yeah, yeah what yeah, is this yeah, day yeah. going to do to us but you've got to you've got to have some faith in and, and he's so good at it as well so I don't know why he stopped doing it yeah and then uh and then seven tries happened and, <laughs> you know, and Chris Harris is being blamed a lot for that. Uh, Stuart Hogg. Uh, the Stuart Hogg yeah. pass. But Stuart Hogg could have just run a little bit quicker. <laughs> so it's not all on Chris Harris. <laughs> I think that was that was a hard 10 minutes because it's such a cliche in sport. But I think it was true. They, those are championship minutes. Mm. So just before halftime, they could have really got back into the game with that and I I do think Chris Harris he's got Ali Price next to him I think it's a bit of mis I think it's a miscommunication between him and Hogg I think Hogg wanted to push him a bit wider so because Hogg's thinking if I get further on the outside of that last defender I'm going to walk yes. in here so yeah. he's, he's thinking push me outside the defender and Harris sort of throws the ball in the middle of where he's running and it looked it looked bad it looked awful yeah. especially with Ali Price right there but they missed that and then Fiku that was like a under nines try where he's like, I'm just going to run to the edge. I'm going to yeah. run to the edge. I'm bigger and I'm faster and I'm just going to score in the corner. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they, they played some of the, the best rugby I've ever seen. I mean, oh, do you, do you know what the thing was most impressive for me about France? Was the discipline. Oh, not the hair. Not the hair. Okay. Not the hair. <laughs> yeah, we said we weren't going to talk about hair on this podcast, David. <laughs> for both of our sakes. <laughs> Unless it's about the lack of hair on an under-20 player's legs. That's the that's the only mitigating circumstance. Um, I I thought France's performance was really disciplined and yeah. ruthless. And I think the try, the Willems had tried, I think the second try they scored, uh -huh. where DuPont made that insane break, made that 50-yard break. I'll come back to him in a second, but... Then they went down the they went down the left hand side, and I think it was a couple of passes to forwards coming very very deep. When the second row, who isn't Villams, I forget his name, took the ball into contact, and there was like a little offload to Villams to score. There was three French forwards who wanted the ball. Yeah. That was clearly a, a pattern. That was clearly a when we get into these sorts of positions, you always give the scrum half or the you know the, the person at the bottom of the base. You always give them three options mm. to mean that because all the Scottish defenders are like, who do we take? Yeah, I don't know if it's three giant guys three yards from a line. And they really are huge. They really are. And Scotland doesn't seem to have 
world class type five at all. It's really hurting them, isn't uh, it? Yeah, because and, and they've got a couple of guys that are, are big, but they don't play like they're big. That's such a good point. Like um, Xander Ferguson's yeah, like that's that. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Why? Why aren't we seeing him carrying the ball? Why yeah. is he? Why, why is he so? It's like you're Andrew Porter shaped, mm. and he's so dynamic for Ireland. Mm. Um, or like Ellis Genge, he's so dynamic for England. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd think Xander Ferguson could have that kind of role for them, and he just doesn't. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe. Well, some of it. You wonder if some of it's mentality. Like, you know, you talk, I was interesting, Dylan Hartley gave a great interview during the week where he was talking about England, not Scotland, but he was saying that some of that brutality from England's gone. And he was saying that he sees it in Scotland a lot. And he said, basically, when, when they were playing for England, they called it power plus. Yeah. But it was this mindset of like, our main job is to kick the shit out of who we're playing against. Right, yeah. We break the door down, we're bullies, we're bigger, we're stronger. And then eventually Owen Farrell and George Ford can have the ball and maybe score. But our main job is to physically dominate whoever sure, we're playing against. Sure. And he was saying in the whole time he's been playing and watching rugby, Scotland have never had a team no. like that. No, they haven't. Um just yeah. Yeah, they've they've never had a world class I mean they, they seem to have two world class flankers now, although they've not had them on the pitch at the same time yet, but that's only a matter of time. But yeah, the the type five, they've not they've never had a sort of a Martin Johnson uh uh, or you know, or even a Joe Marler, the gypsy sort of monstery, mm. uh, the which England seem to just have um, a limitless supply uh, of them. Um, but uh, yeah, Scotland, S Scotland, they've got two very, uh, well, they've got Italy next. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> nah, I mean, they're still, they're Come still on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone, I've actually talked to a few Scottish fans this week, and they were like. We'll wallop them, right? Because <laughs> that'd be—I mean, that would be—if if Scotland don't win by thirty points, that'd be a real. Well, I mean, the end of the tournament is going to be really tense because England, England are on a knife edge between a brave new dawn and a disaster. Yes, and they've now got the two hardest games of the tournament: Ireland and France, back yes. to back. Um. France look like the real deal, but they've looked like the real deal for two years and shat the bed in one game. So now they mm -hmm. need to close out this tournament properly. And we all want them to be good. We all want them to go to that World Cup looking invincible. Yeah, yeah. Not that keen on them winning it, but I like the <laughs> idea of them going, looking amazing, looking super French. Yeah. Um, and Ireland, you know, came into this tournament like, uh, you know, the great hope as well and you know what what do we know them we don't we didn't learn anything off this game where they went they played against uh what what is he down to six <laughs> there was two italians left on the field uh, mario yeah. and luigi they were the only two <laughs> and they'd <laughs> forgotten their spanners yeah um <laughs> Uh, so what? What I mean, Ireland have looked good. They have. I had a really strange quote that um, uh, Andy Farrell wants them to look messy. They're yeah. a structured team in rugby. So this is the this is the thing. So they've been trying to import more of this Leinster. They've got like twelve Leinster players in that starting team yeah. when they when they have everyone available, and they're trying to import more of that Leinster mentality of it's basically harder to identify it's almost like an nfl thing it's harder to identify what we're doing in, a, in attack mm. if we look unstructured 
So even though people know philosophically, but they do look structured. Be. They look the most structured team in rugby. I don't think it's like when Eddie Jones says things. Like, yeah, yeah, that just doesn't make any sense to what I watch. Uh, Ireland's team is disciplined and structured. It's not flair and uh, breakdown. It yeah. used to be in two thousand and three when uh, England had uh, had um, laid an egg in like four Six Nations yeah. in a row and and one one four lost one. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, in every, every, and then they really wanted a grand slam before going into uh, the World Cup that they ended up winning. And the last game of the tournament was against Ireland in Dublin in the old stadium. And England was so disciplined and so structured. But the second things were chaotic, then you thought Ireland would be able to strike. Then you thought England didn't know what was going And the talent of a, a Brian O'Driscoll, um, or it was, uh, was it? Gordon Murray was their fullback at the time. Murphy. Gordon Murphy, Murphy. Jordan Murphy. Jordan Murphy. Um, <laughs> close. Yeah. But both names wrong, David. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they used to be flair and talent. Now they're structured. So this idea that they're, they want he, they want them to look messy. Well, I think he's trying to move more. I honestly think... Is he just wish casting? Uh, maybe. I, th I think his version of messy is a lot of offloading, a lot of getting through tackles and offloading. So I think that's how lens tend to do it. They're actually they're quite brutal and quite physical, mm -hmm. but then it's a lot of just getting balls away and moving defenders to get. And that's their version of Messi compared to France, which is more we want more attacking options in more part of the pitch mm -hmm. more often. And then we have like genius level skill players that yeah. can. I was wondering at the weekend, it might be a, too early to say this, but is Anton Dupont more influential to European politics than Putin? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> but is he is he more influential than a peak Dan Carter? Is he more influential to that French team than Dan Carter was to New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, um, it's odd that, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he is brilliant, but a scrum half can only be as brilliant as, you know, the pack in front of him and the fly half behind him as well. You know, he's a linking player. He's not. He can't. He can't make it all himself. Uh, I I agree that no scrum half in the world can be good without a dominant pack, and they certainly have yeah. a bulldozer of a dominant pack at the minute. I do think French rugby in general is more scrum half centric than it is fly <laughs> it half centric. Is, it? it is strange how that they haven't been fly half centric pretty much since Thomas Castanet. Oh yeah, and, and maybe even only then, like in sort of. Yeah, waves is 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 it's a rugby culture that's mostly built around the scrum half and what the scrum half can do, but it's hard it's hard to look past someone. I mean, for him to make a fifty yard break, where he's beating players, bumping off a player, standing up in a tackle, managing to push uh, a back, you know, Van der Merwe out to sort of get a few more meters, like that's I mean, to do that and all your core scrum half stuff at the same time. Yeah, it is pretty. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're saying anything controversial that he's good. No, I mean, good, I, but, I, but I think I was I was wondering... I'd pick him. I'd pick you, him. You'd have him in your team? For Hackney. For <laughs> seconds. You have to give him a run in the seconds. We get him into the club first. He's got to earn the place. Yeah, make sure he was comfortable with the marshes. You know, all right, Anton, you've done it on the manicured lawns of Paris and Twickenham. Can you do it in Hackney on a wet Tuesday? Uh, I'd I just like to see him dressed from the boutiques of Mare Street. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can get a yellow dressing gown from there. I would, yeah. yeah, go on, sorry. No, I just, yeah, he, he does everything. And uh, yeah. 
it's hard to pick anything wrong with uh, France's performance of the weekend. But um, yeah, did 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 Scotland really put up that? They did. They they had the ball a lot of the time. They they nearly scored so many times. I mean, they, if they had scored just before the break but, and not given it to Faku, then mm-hmm. the whole, you know, but then that didn't happen and they just got one consolation try after being yeah. walloped essentially 7-0. Yeah, but they do still feel like a team, I think you said this right at the top, that if they do go behind like that, they panic more than you think they should. Yeah, there are a lot of players now in international rugby. I mean, obviously lots being made of Finn Russell not, not um, sprinting back to defend. But also England's props, um, mm. old uh, old ex Harlequin Sinclair Sinclair just standing up from scrums when it wasn't going his way. Now, that's not what a professional rugby player does. Mm. He stood up because he didn't like the way it had been set, and then he got a penalty against him. Mm. That's not it's just not the way that you can win an international rugby game. Yeah. Um, You've got to be happy, not happy with things not going your way, but not have a sulk because things aren't going your way and then tap out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like you would want to get, at least as a professional, get excited when you have to adapt. Yeah. Like, right, how are we going to get out of this? How how are we going to think our way out of this? I mean, that has been England's problem for a long time, that they look amazing as long as plan A goes well. And the second it doesn't go well, they're just very ordinary. Which I think was similar to the Wales game again at the weekend. Like, the first 40 minutes, 50 minutes, set piece was working, line out was working, Wales didn't really have any answers. And then Wales, I feel like they increased their pressure at the Rook, and I feel like they started competing more rather than just sort of letting it, like, waiting for see what England were doing at line out time. And it really just threw England's rhythm off. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a, a gradual decline. It was like gone. The minute that dominance was gone in those three areas, they just were like, we don't really have any answers. And Wales scored whatever it was, 15 points. Yeah. Three unanswered tries. But um people are talking about England's uh, growing planes and whether they should be developing or whether they should go back to the old style. There is no old style to go back to because the only people that are playing well are the new boys. Mm. You know, Don Brian, Smith, yep. uh, uh, Stuart. How do you think Smith went at the weekend? I, I think, you know, he didn't have a perfect, he didn't have a flashy game, but he mm. a good game. He, you know, he's he's adapting to his new role and stuff. Are you setting yourself up for, for another heartbreak? <laughs> this is another mercurial fly half is going to break your heart. No, this is not going to happen. <laughs> he's different. He's not like the rest. <laughs> you should see the way he looks at me. Look at his hair. I mean, his hair is amazing. Yeah. His hair is almost French. <laughs> his hair is French, uh, <laughs> French adjacent, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, old, the old, I don't have anything against the, the, the old, the old England. I cheer them on in any, many games. But you had like Ben Youngs, who is, is a low error count, efficient, structured scrum half. Not very exciting, not incredible natural talent. Mm. But hard working, studies the game, and f- f- just no errors. Mm. Uh, George Ford, no physical talent whatsoever, but reads the game better than probably anybody else alive. Distributes the ball really well, but c- can't defend for Toffee. You yeah. have to stick a, a hooker next to him. Yeah, uh, can't break a, a line break because he weighs fourteen kilos. And then you had uh, Owen Farrell. Hard working, apparently inspiring. Loads of play- people that have been in his presence they do. Say, say that. Yeah, I find that harder to believe than 
anything on the face of the planet. <laughs> um, but apparently inspiring and passionate and, uh, you know, uh, and hard hitting, even if he forgets to use his arms. Mm -hmm. um, but again, can't break a line, mm -hmm. has no speed, mm -hmm. uh, no dynamism, no real sort of. And when you've got three of them in a row, that's that's a lot of slow ball. That's a lot of that's a lot of money balling. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense to just uh, as much as I love George Ford and in many ways I think he's probably the best at those three players mm -hmm. but just taking him out and putting Marcus in yeah that's a big spark factor that's a big it uh, is I think the thing that's interesting is during that Dylan Hartley that period he was calling that the power plus period so leading up to the 2019 World Cup those players could be a bit more money bally because the pack was so dominant yeah and I, I always felt it was a bit like you know, some NFL coaches where they just have this sense of like linebackers and uh, defensive ends are just like on road. Like when, when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, yes, and they just had that that front of like seven different defensive ends that could just slot in, slot out. It was almost just throw human carnage at right, that yeah. position. I always felt Eddie Jones had a similar philosophy about his second rows and back rows. Just like get me as many big bodies as I can and throw human suffering at the opposition <laughs> and get us going forward so that all my, all that George Ford and Owen Farrell have to do is pick a few key passes and that's how we score. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an exciting brand of rugby, is it? No. <laughs> no. I mean... I mean uh, what, what, what must it feel like to be a winger in that team? Well, this is the thing... John oh, by the way, if things go according to plan, you're not actually going to do anything. Well, Johnny May... Well, you say that, but Johnny May probably would say, I, I really enjoyed it because every game... I got, you know, every other game I scored a try. Admittedly, didn't touch the ball much in between, but right, would yeah. score a try. Um, it's interesting how how those positions are evaluated now. Because Cuthbert, I thought, did a really good job at the weekend for Wales, but his job mainly was to be a kick chase, which I think he did a really good job of. And he was basically defending as an extra thirteen, right. like just cutting off England going wide as mm. often as possible. And Jack Knowles is a similar job for England as well. Yes. And it's interesting how, you know, like France have these wingers that are very much about going forward, very much about um, almost like strikers in football, like, yeah. trying, like trying to score. And then other teams... That's what wingers should be. Well, I think it will, other teams in international rugby choose to set their team up differently, don't they? And like, our wingers do a different job for us and we're going to score through the middle, not yeah. out wide. I I'd, I'd think I think Penno compared to Cuthbert, though. <laughs> it's no comparison, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh... I, I would like to, you know, I mean, if you go back to those Quinns games at the end of last year against uh, Bristol and Exeter, you know, and just distributing the, wall, the ball fast to your wings, putting them in space and seeing them have a foot race against another man to the corner. It's just exciting stuff, isn't it? It's route one, but it's thrilling, mm -hmm. exhilarating to see somebody thundering at full place. Yeah, I want to see a Valapola slowly go into a brick wall again and again and again and again. Yeah, again and again. <laughs> David's had a stroke, everyone. Yeah. Just in case any listeners at home are worried about him, he'll come back in a second. <laughs> He's back. He's back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Um, I, I I did think for Wales there were some good promising signs. I think for them having Falatau back was. Was great and see yeah. he he slides straight into that shirt game and didn't even look like he was tired of it. Didn't he? No. So, yeah, Sam Warburton said he didn't know how he did it because Sam Warburton said he was saying that he always had to have a minimum of three games at club level to come back to international. It's quite soft. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're listening, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking go. 
God. Yeah. It's fuck. I said it because it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, have, have you ever seen like him do like videos of him doing like curls and stuff in the gym? Yeah, doesn't he do something ridiculous like a 90 kilo yeah. curl? Yeah. Is it, I think, um, I think it's George North that's got the most ridiculous curl. Is it? Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's, I think it's 90 kilo. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Some of those lads are built, like some of those Welsh lads are just built very, Pro very different. Probably wear my kettlebells as earrings. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> you feel very small. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe, maybe, maybe that can be your anniversary present to Finn. You can get him some teeny tiny, teeny, teeny, teeny tiny kettlebells. Yeah, he could do it doing some weights, couldn't he? Some weights or just, I think, I honestly think him going missing in that game, because it's easy for people, and we, we, we both love him, we both love what he represents in rugby, mm. but it is kind of indefensible to watch someone just walk back while your team's getting scored on. Think, it's like when Cam Newton didn't dive on the ball in the, in the Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, you, you, know that, you know that person is tapped out, and you've... Yeah, there's, you're not having any dramatic. I mean, for the man who led the most dramatic comeback of all time. Yeah, but that's what it feels like he needs. He almost like needs his face to be in the mud. He's back to be against the wall, mm. and it needs like this, you know, cavalier moment rather than just I'm just going to manage this game properly and I'm just going to. Well, I mean, he just managed the game for the Lions and very nearly won the series for them. Yeah, I wonder if that was a, that was a brilliant game. It was, and he. Yeah, and he was not fantastic. a brilliant game of rugby. He was brilliant in it. He was brilliant in it, but I wonder if that was a similar situation for him mentally, where he right. was like, "You told me I'm, you know, you told me I'm not good enough. Right. I'm only in here because of injury. Yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna," which, by all accounts, is what he said to Gregor Townsend at halftime in that famous England game. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck off, Gregor. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm taking it my own way." Yeah, and it feels like he's, he feels like that's when he's at his best, rather than just on the front foot. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> Again, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, it's also weird that they bring on this. They take him <laughs> off and replace him with a fullback. Blair, Blair Kinghorn. Yeah, he looked so lost, didn't he? Bless him. Yeah, I mean, he did make the break that made the, the consolation try, but that was the move of a fullback. It was. It's exactly what uh, that was. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Gavin Hastings has done wrong to. Is it Gavin? No, it's his son, Adam. Adam. But Scott Hastings gave the saltiest, most passive-aggressive interview about that. He was, he was chatting in the Telegraph, and he was like, I wouldn't say I'm the chairman of the Finn Russell fan club myself. I think sometimes you want to fly a half who actually wants to play for his country. I think that's an important aspect. <laughs> Someone yeah. named Hastings, perhaps. <laughs> Did he actually No, that? no. <laughs> he didn't go that far. But he was basically like daggering. It was Brian Moore was in the interview with and he was daggering him, basically saying that Finn Russell is just a fancy show pony who is very, very talented, but world-class players put in world-class effort, not just world-class skills. That was basically his contention. I mean, it's hard to argue it on this weekend's. Uh, this weekend's. It's uh, awesome. Uh, but you, you, I don't actually know why Adam Hastings got dropped out of the squad. Cause... No, neither do I. I mean, is it the... Uh, the the Because, you know... Gregor Townsend was a mercurial fly half. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe just the philosophy is that they don't want a game manager. I mean, those dark years with Dan Parks at fly half. <laughs> Jesus, wet. <laughs> I mean, it, there's nothing more boring than Dan Parks. <laughs> Dan Parks is the human equivalent of paint drying yeah. slowly on a cold afternoon. <laughs> yeah, he's tartan paint drying on a windowsill. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So may maybe they just don't want that type of game manager, and they 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 want to be able to. I mean, but I mean, then why? why it still doesn't make any sense to bring on a fullback. No, that's it. That's what I mean. That's like you're you're either being too clever with yeah. something, or you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, next up. So, so was, uh, <laughs> next so, up is Ireland. Uh, yeah. That's not going to be too difficult, is it? Ah! <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, well, the, the other big news of the weekend, I guess, was across a few games, some rogue refereeing or interesting refereeing decisions. Yes. Wales-England had quite a few. Yes. Um, obviously, the final uh, try that was, in retrospect, showing that Manoritoji maybe had pulled down a Welsh player at a lineup. But the problem with lineouts, the problem with rugby in general, it has the same problem as the NFL line of scrimmage, which is if you wanted to go to any play, you probably could find an offence. Yes, yeah. But yeah. It, it, is, it does feel like Wales maybe got less than their fair share of the rub of the green. I've heard other people saying that. I, they were, didn't they? They, they had a massive offence just before one of their tries that got unnoticed as well. I, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know. So, but... They're the lovable underdog, aren't they? So that everybody always not that not that not that lovable. Just yeah. <laughs> are <they> England. <laughs> England are just uh, um, you know so they're so unlikable. <laughs> Apart from Marcus, you know. So it's just very easy to think that I think it's very easy to label that the small the small provincial country got a hard done against the evil empire, but I, th I think there was an even distribution of bad yeah. decisions if, in my, from my eye. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a hard thing for rugby in general, though, because well, I think one thing the NFL does do really well is the on-field explanation so that the in-stadium and TV audience get the same explanation all the time. Sure. Well, I mean, that, that definitely comes to the passage of the scrum time when you just think, wouldn't it be just refreshing if... Um, a ref went well i don't know what happened then so <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they're just arbitrarily picking a side i think it was your fault yeah i don't like your look don't yeah. like your face i i, I wonder if uh <laughs> I like your face yeah your uh your unibrow is bothering me so that's that's a penalty instantly you you haven't brushed your teeth for a month that's that's obvious to everyone here jamie <laughs> you're off jamie george you just don't look like an athlete 10 yards. <laughs> you could use them, Jamie. <laughs> Waddle back off your pop. <laughs> You're like a barrel with a face on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think um, this movement as well, the referees seem to be wanting to be like players' friends more at the scrum and more of it like, hey, I get it. I get it. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. We're all lads. We're all lads together. And I wonder if a more... Um, like the NFL is a play clock. Yeah. I wonder if set pieces in rugby, I would love to see that trialed. I don't, I don't, I don't know whether a minute or 30 seconds is the right time length, but I wonder if that might focus the mind. Like, we're only well, trying only, to be here for 30 seconds. Well, the only problem with that is that in NFL, the play clock, um, which, yeah, is the, the it, it's the responsibility of the, the offense, the, the team that's got the ball mm -hmm. to snap it fast enough. You couldn't have that with the team that's got the put in at the scrum because the team that hasn't got the ball can just can just drag its heels. Yeah, but I guess in an era... It's a defensive line in the NFL can't. Can't do that, yeah, exactly. But I guess in an era where 
we're allowing scrum halves to feed the ball now. Yeah. We're not competing for the ball. If you said from the referee saying, you know, bind, mm. you've got 30 seconds to get the ball into the scrum or they've got 30 seconds to complete the scrum or a minute from to complete bind, the scrum. It should be less than 30 seconds. Yeah, or whatever it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I haven't thought about it long enough. Yeah, exactly. It might be, it might be yeah. 10 seconds. But it feels like the TMO's on, <laughs> you know, give the TMO an extra job. Yeah. What's so, he doing? Having biscuits. He's having a biscuit. Put your digestive down. It counts 10. Help the game move forward. Because, yeah, some of those penalties were just like, you You do as a fan, even as somebody who watches a lot of rugby, you do sometimes watch thinking like, I'm not sure you know what's happened there, mate. No, they, they, uh, yeah, I don't think they do. And it doesn't help when you have like uh, like Dan Bigger that is f charging in 30 yards from the other side of the pitch to scream and point at somebody. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's gone on in there. No. <laughs> and I get it. Cause I'm like, yeah, imagine that. Just trying to pressurize. Imagine if Dan Bigger actually was the world's foremost expert on scrummaging. <laughs> the only person that could tell what was going yeah. on in there from the outside. Yeah. He's like his hidden talent. Oh. He's like, I've, I always wanted to be a tight head. <laughs> All of Dan Bigger's talents are hidden. <laughs> <laughs> not as well as Owen Farrell's. Not as well as Owen Farrell's. Submerged me the giant forehead and daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which. Um, <laughs> uh, the other, obviously, obviously, other massive refereeing decision at the weekend, Italy, Ireland. Yeah. I mean, okay, take it step, step by step. By the letter of the law, it is a red card. Yeah. He hasn't put himself in a very good position to show the referee a good picture, mm. really. But I don't, I don't know about you, I had no fucking idea that was a, that was a law. What about not being able to have a contested, uncontested scrum? Yeah, and that you have to lose an extra player because the yeah. idea is... It's nonsense. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. And I think everybody agrees. I don't think anybody can come out. I've not heard anybody defend it. Yeah. Um, because... You know, you say, well, it, you could turn it into a strength by having uncontested strength. You still got one less person. Yeah. You know, uh, you're taking an element of the game out, the scrummaging. But if you're not going to um, officiate where you put the ball into a scrum, the scrummage has become less of a fucking weapon anyway. Yeah. It, you know, if you're like putting the ball underneath the number eight's feet, uh, it's not a contested thing anyway. So it's really, uh, I mean, I would like to see referees actually can. Uh, uh, make a scrum half put it, the ball under the <laughs> hooker's foot I mean I used to like it as a hooker used to like trying to steal steal the opposition try to hook the, the, mm. the, the and they were great moments of pride when you hooked the ball that had been fed in by the other opposite the opposition scrum half you can't do that anymore it's impossible no but, um, so uh, if as they've as they've decommissioned the scrum as a weapon anyway mm. then this idea that you have to lose. But then also, you know, red cards. You know, I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been said, so it's a bit boring. But we've got to protect players' health, but also the game has to not become dead after five minutes. So, and I think a lot of people have been saying about, you know, a red card should mean that player goes off and then after 10 minutes another player can come back on, but not the player that got sent off. Yeah. So that so it's still a personal, a huge personal project. Pro that that player is still sent off for the whole game. That player will still get a ban. That a player fine. will still be fined. But the game doesn't stop being a cont yeah. uh, contestable competition just because of one one moment. Once, in some cases, with this head stuff, literally a slip. Oh yeah, I mean, there's you been know. there's been some. I mean, that was a little bit of poor technique. But he wasn't, he wasn't trying to. This is just a hard thing, right? 
that people want to try and pretend isn't true about rugby. You are coached to melt people. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to hurt people yeah. legally within the rules of the game, but your objective is to batter somebody to the point where they can't continue. That's yeah. the goal for the, the physical aspect of rugby, same mm. as the NFL. And the margin is you, the margin between that being a really effective tackle that helps your team mm -hmm. and a red card offense is we're talking about, yeah. I mean, what's that, eight, eight inches? <laughs> It's not, not audible. <laughs> For the audible listeners, there's not a big gap between my finger and my thumb. Um, but you know, it's it's a it's a really fine margin. Why and I you brought out a pair of tweezers. Why well, brought out a pair of tweezers? Because uh, because this is the um, self care element of the pod. <laughs> and I'll be self caring for myself for the next thirty minutes. Who am I kidding? It's usually with three three and a half. But um, it's good that you keep a clock on it. Yeah, I said clock. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it can be both. Either way, either way, there's a hand involved. And that's little hand. <laughs> little hand. Very little hand. Um, yeah, but I, I think that it work. Thing is, that thing really works in the NFL. You, you know, when you have like a personal eject, yeah, personal get ejected. Yeah, and they're I, never a man down though, are they? And that's why I mean, well, personally, I would rather see squads expanded a little bit for match day. Right. So you had to have a contingency. So like you know, right. you've got so there's not more subs though, but you that you have, you don't get to use more subs. Exactly. Have more subs available. Yeah, and by extension, I mean maybe if you're England or France, maybe or New Zealand, maybe your fourth choice hooker is international quality. But for most teams, that's a very big yeah penalty to pay. Yes. To dip down to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I thought that when Sev. Uh, eight subs start being in the game because you know I'm old enough to remember when no one used any subs in mm. the game of rugby. You started, you finished with the same 15 people that you started with. Yeah. Um, but I, in World Cup games, when sort of like Samoa or the Ivory Coast or someone really puts it to a level one nation, and then level one nation brings on eight other world class players mm -hmm. uh, that are fresh. And on the, on the Ivory Coach bench, you've got somebody whose full time job is a you know a, a postman. Or yeah, something. school teacher. Right, like, yeah. yeah, and they're like, we don't have another seven players. <laughs> yeah, in the country. <laughs> yeah. Full stop. <laughs> Not that they're any good. So, so, so the fact that they really came at them and was given a heroic stand mm. is utterly nullified by the the. the so that I mean, it's at the highest level. Having different subs is tactically interesting, but it it does mean that there is a bigger gap between the haves and the haves not. Yeah, it does. It does, and I think that that is something we're seeing with Italy just generally. Anyway, is you know if if these tier two nations aren't given massive amounts of investment in the next ten years, I don't know what the IRB or World Rugby thinks is going to happen yeah. to the global game. Yeah, like they just need they need to be uh, whether that's like private equity firms coming in or whatever it is. Mm. If they don't have that resource to develop player pathways to get to that point where they have 30, 40 yeah. world-class players but to call on. Even the difference between England and Scotland, mm. you know, not only is there 13 professional teams in the Premiership, but most of the players in the Championship is pretty much their full-time job. Yeah. You know, they don't earn good money, obviously, but, you know, if you play for... Yeah, Rotherham, Rotherham, the Pirates, the Dan in Cornwall. So they, you know, it used to be London Scottish was not bad money, and you know, livable on money. Yeah, so you're talking about twenty four teams. Yeah, that have got full time professionals in, 
and then you go to Scotland and there are two. Yeah. And you know, why do you think the Scottish players are smaller? Like, what what is that? Is that just how bad Scottish diet is? I believe so. Is that just we're back to malnutrition? I'm afraid so. Afraid so. Like battered Mars bars, Hulk does not make. Yeah, yeah. they're they're not they're not full of massive protein. No, it's creatine not available north of the world. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking there's no, it's not like there's a, you know, we're all on the same wet little island. Mm. You know, our genealogy is the same. We're from, you know, probably a lot of Scottish players, our family down here. Like, it's just strange that because Ireland aren't, you know, Ireland are a physical team, Wales are a physical team, England. Yeah. It's just strange that Scotland is this weird little outlier. Thanks. Think that, yeah. Cheers for that. <laughs> think they just used up all their moxie on Braveheart and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there is a lot of using up moxie. It's a lot of using <laughs> up an emotional... Th- I mean, but that's how both Six Nations have started at the last two. This huge heroic stand on the first day and then they're spent. Yeah. Um, and it, it really benefits the teams who have centrally contracted players or, or something approaching centrally contracted because England don't get their players for as much time as Wales or Ireland or Scotland do. The they, well, they don't. They England don't get them as long. They, they get them more if, um, as long as they're playing in England. Well, the Scottish and Ireland, the Ireland players. Well, all of Ireland players do play in Ireland, yeah. but but the Scottish players that play in the Premiership are playing for their club the week before they play for Scotland. Yeah, they are. The England players aren't. No, they're not. There's a, there's a slightly different deal done in terms of the numbers of days, total yeah. weeks and time you spend in the squad. And mo- most of them will be back for their clubs on the fallow week, whereas England they will. players won't be. They'll be having a week off. Um, is that true? Even yeah. if they, even if they're Premiership players? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because I think I think it, it must be an interesting... I'd love to see the stats, actually, on... Uh, well, for, for just Sorry to interrupt. No, go for it. For Quinns, Joe Marler wanted... Uh, game time because he's been on the bench so mm. he came back and played for Quinns in the fallow week but Dunbran, uh Marcus Smith uh, all had uh, had the week and Merchant uh, Marchant had the week off yeah yeah I, I just would have presumed that would have been, well, that would have been the same for Stuart Hoggart Exeter yep. for example he's playing for Exeter so I'm pretty sure oh interesting because I, I would love to see the stats on teams that essentially contracted how they performed in the first two weeks of the Six Nations right? versus teams that aren't essentially contracted. I wonder if, I wonder if there's any correlation between success and not... You know, cause you're spending more time in the camp, less time with your club, et cetera. Et cetera. It's, it, well, it seems to be this infinite conversation about how much training you need, how much... Harlequins last year, once they got rid of Gustard, Gustard. Um, really cut back. So mm-hmm. they wanted to turn up on race day fresh. Mm-hmm. Um and that everybody thought that about Saracens when they were being sent down that oh it'll be great because they'll be fresh <laughs> they'll also be not fit oh well not match fit mm. so it's ha- peaking at the right moment is a is a constant thing in professional yeah. sport and speaking of that actually I thought some of England's real I thought you were going to make a uh, I thought you were going to make a link to my breaking 25k attempt of the week <laughs> peaking at the right moment do you want to tell the people about that david <laughs> i didn't do it did you didn't do it I, I broke 21 oh good yeah good that's not 20 though is it no <laughs> 21 minutes is still a fast 5k it is it is and and, and to be commended i think hackney second team are gonna be back on the phone anytime soon 
remember I was a winger for them. 100%. That's it. Not a hooker. Well, 21 minutes from touchline <laughs> to touchline. You know, that's... How big are these pitches? <laughs> Five kilometre long pitch. It feels like that. <laughs> 65 minutes in. It's a very steep pitch, uh, Hackney. Is it? Oh, yeah. it's one of those like, horrible... Yeah. One of the first clubs of the rugby union was Richmond Rugby and Upper Clapton, which is now Hackney. That is a hell of a stat. That's good to know. I've never even, I don't even. And Blackheath. And Blackheath. Oh yeah, yeah I knew Blackheath. That was one of my first games. I went and reported on down at Blackheath, oh. and they had nowhere to put me, and it was raining sideways. And Who I was, were you reporting? For the the rugby paper. Oh. And I was down there, and I was just shivering away. And it's back in the days when you used to have to phone in copy. Wow. So I couldn't email copy. So I was just trying to scream over the sound of this like horrendous thunderstorm, and eventually someone brought me a warm cup of hot chocolate. I could have cried. <laughs> This old matronly woman was like, you seem like you're having a rough go. You're all right, that's you are. <laughs> I wasn't all right. Never emotionally recovered from it. That's my Vietnam. I never, I never, really, I never really got over that. Um, should we, uh, do you want to chat about NFL? Yeah. Um, so the first thing I was wondering, after this, cause we're going to have a follow week. For Breaking the... news. <laughs> uh, the sh- oh, I've forgotten his name now. Oh, I was going to be funny. That was going to be funny. That was the alternative name for the podcast. That was going to be funny. I just called to say I was going to be funny. God, yeah. If, 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 if you, no, you go. I, I would say if, if you want to be funny at any time, feel free. I'm going to just Finn Russell for a bit. Over I'm just going to Finn Russell. Slope off with a can yeah. of tenants. Yeah. 20 Marlborough Lakes, pal. <laughs> bag of I'll see, you, I'll see you back in Paris, mate. <laughs> um, so, follow week for Six Nations. Which Six Nations players do we think would be best in the NFL? Or wh- which players would we be excited to see in the NFL from the Six Nations? I've got a couple. Okay, you go first. I'd like, I think Fiku would be great in the yeah. NFL. I think it'd be great. I think he could be a tight end or a slot receiver. Yeah, he's got a tight end. He's got... <laughs> He's back being funny, ladies and gents. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to see him. Do one Van der Merwe. Yes. Kick return specialist. Yeah, or, yeah, uh, or a uh, wide receiver. Um, who's the French centre that they've dropped? Oh, Vakitawa. Yeah, running back. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think it'd be sensational, like third down running back, or um, in maybe one of those more like high concept systems. I think Tom Finn Cr- Russell, Finn, punter. <laughs> Finn Russell, where? Punter. Punter. <laughs> Finn Russell, wherever I am. <laughs> Finn Russell, punter. Yeah, I think uh, I think a few of his teammates might have other nicknames for him, but yeah, punter. <laughs> um, Tom Curry, linebacker. Did you not see Tom Curry as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 system? Mm. Just a wrecking ball coming off the edge. Is he a wrecking ball? I, f- I feel like he's got some wrecking ball-ness in him. Uh. Wrecking ball adjacent. <laughs> Which was the other name for the podcast. Um, who, would, who would I lo- have as a... Could Marrow get in there anyway, you reckon? Uh, yeah, uh, safety. Do you reckon... Interesting. You think he's got the sort of quickness between the yeah, the hash marks? Uh, sort of view I once had in Edinburgh. <laughs> between the hash marks. Quick between the hash marks. 
<laughs> Terrible play. Quit between the hash marks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who, who, who else would be. I think they're Villiers, Damien Villiers, the little quick French winger. I could see him kick return. Um, Uh, it's not cracking listening, is it? This is going to be... No. <laughs> Listen to David Whitney think. <laughs> you, you remind me of that scene. Have you ever seen the film 24-Hour Party People? Yes, not yeah. for a very long time. It's great. It's a great film about um, Factory Records and Steve Coogan plays um, the owner of Factory Records. And the guy produces all like New Order, Joy Division songs. He finds them out in the Pennines with the microphone and he goes like... What are you doing? It's like, I'm recording silence. <laughs> I want 1,200 now to do with the album. <laughs> A bottle of whiskey. Wow. Yeah, that's what I felt like you were doing. You're like, just recording silence. Um, so nobody else. Tag. I would. I would love to see Tag Furlong in a, like a William Perry fridge refrigerator role. Yes, I could see that. Yeah. Um... Uh, see uh, any of the any of the French front line being uh, mm. offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamish, uh, Scottish number seven. Hamish Watson, long snapper. Long snapper. <laughs> He's got the haircut of a long snapper. He does have the haircut and the personality of a long snapper. <laughs> That's my word. That's an ambiguous compliment. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I knew a guy over there who played a few years in the league as a long snapper. What what a cushy job. It's amazing. What an amazingly cushy job. That's what he said. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know what long snapper so a long snapper is the guy who's not a fish. It's not a fish. It's the world's largest fish. Um, it's the guy who, uh, when they take a, a field goal, the guy who snaps the ball a long way back down to the kicker. Mm. And he was telling me, like, you you get all the... Because kickers don't get any credit. Yeah. He's like, in the locker rooms, kickers are like, if you kick the goals, you're a hero. If you don't, everyone's like, what is your job? Why, why are you even here? Yeah. He's like, long snappers fly under the radar. Yeah. They have, a, they have a less important job, arguably, than the kicker. But people still see them as real because they're sort of shaped like a football player. <laughs> shaped like a football? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah. And yet they're on... You know, I imagine not. I mean, no, it's like enough. Like the because well, the minimum contract's like seven hundred and fifty grand. That's like the veteran minimum. So I, I could live on that. Yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, we could. So, so the so season two of the podcast is going to be Tom and Dave get a job as a long snapper. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see us. We're going to go live in Miami for a little while. <laughs> Develop our long snapping skills, and if not, a decent coke habit. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you make of uh, this leak uh, coming out of the Arizona Cardinals that Kyler Murray is actually a cunt? <laughs> um, I believe it. I, I believe it. Cause he seems so sweet. Well. His little legs. Look at his little legs. Look how fast they move. He's like a little Spider-Man. I, because he's been given everything he's ever wanted all of his life, and he's been told he was special since the age of 11 or 12, and he had the option to play professional baseball, professional football. His life, his life has been a long interrupted sequence of green lights. Right. So I believe there is a decent amount of cunt lurking there. Right. The other option, I guess, is that the organizations 
putting that forward before wanting to get rid of him. Yes. It doesn't exactly up his trade value. Exactly, which is, I completely agree. So it's, so which is a very, very short-sighted move. You'd, you'd think if you wanted to get the most for him, yeah. you want people to be like, he's a great kid, he's yeah. not, a good, not a good fit. Yeah, here. yeah. you keep it on the QT. Don't let anybody know he's a prick. <laughs> but it was hard, though, because you, you see he deleted... His prick's hard. His prick's hard. Oh. Um, well, in the films I've been... In, in the films I've been watching, <laughs> I can send you a link. There's a series of websites... It's inside the inside the facility. He's a bit old for you, isn't he? Kyler Murray. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. But he sort of got the youthful aesthetic that I <laughs> the that, that I prefer. That, that um, hoists your flag. The hoists my flag, <laughs> hoisted by someone else's petard. Um, <laughs> the fourth name for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so it is. Is this all talk, or are we going to have a quarterback go around? Because Russell wants to leave the Seahawks. Uh, Kyler looks like he could be leaving the Cardinals. There's all the talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The Giants haven't taken up the option on uh, Danny Dimes. And yet, I'd put money on the none of them moving. (laughs) Well, it, it, I agree. It's going to go one of two ways. I, I think you're so right because you've either got a situation where the NFC West, for example, clears out yeah. and it's Russell Wilson leaves, Jimmy Garoppolo leaves, Kyler Murray leaves, and all those teams are left with like, ah, what have we actually got yeah. left on those teams anymore? Um, and they obviously go play somewhere else. Or you've got a situation where people – because this, this is the time where people go crazy in front rooms, in, yeah. in, in front offices, sorry, because they're like, oh, we could do a Cincinnati – we could we could mm-hmm. you know achieve with a limited player pool and da 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 and then in about six weeks once the draft starts getting serious five weeks once the draft starts getting serious people are like mm, actually yeah. we're probably better off with uh, you do have a couple of sides that seem to have everything apart from a quarterback and we talked about Pittsburgh mm-hmm. last, last week and. Um, Indianapolis well, looks like a very good roster, but they want to get rid of Wentz. Wentz. I mean, Would Wentz be better than Danny Dimes and the New York Giants? That's a great question. Thank you. I think if, <laughs> if you can't be funny, ask some great questions. Uh, I I agree, mate, because he's got he's actually won in the NFL, and I think has helped lead teams to some level of success. And I think Daniel Jones has not done that yet. So purely on that metric. I agree. I think Carson Wentz would be a, a good opportunity for uh, a good guy to look at. Could be a good opportunity for the Giants to mm. move forward because Daniel Jones. I think you just, you've seen the ceiling on that guy. I, I think he's going to go somewhere else. I'm like, oh my god, you've unlocked the potential of Daniel Jones. I think I think he's more like Sam Darnold than he is. Really, you think he's as bad as that? Well, just like someone who I think they're not. It's not going to be a, a, a move to a different. T- also. You're not going to get an offer from a better team. I don't think any good teams looking at Daniel Jones going like, "Oh, he's the answer." Right. He's yeah. the answer to our problems. The, the really interesting one is Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how come it's taking so long for the legal ramifications of his accusations? I think because it moved from a civil suit to a criminal suit, oh, right. and that was the big. At one point, it was going to be a civil case, and then it's now the women have come forward and said, "No, we're, we're going to have our day in court. We're going to testify." And that means it could go way past the draft. So it means that if teams are thinking about building their team for next year and who do we draft versus who do we sign, Deshaun Watson might be outside of that window. 
So, I mean, you know, if he is a sexual predator, then he needs to be punished. But it does, apart from the morality of that, seem a shocking uh, waste for somebody like him to not be playing. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, such a, it's a horrible truth about the NFL. I think more so than a lot of them. Well, I was going to say more so than most sports leagues, there is this underlying um, issue with abuse, with mistreatment of partners or other women in general. It's and it, it, it seems to be something that the league hasn't figured out. They haven't figured out how to help players curb it. They haven't figured out how to stamp it out. They haven't figured out how to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's, it's, it's hor- horrible, horrible to to watch happen. But I think in terms of other in other players, um, I'd be interested to see if anyone picks up Jimmy Garoppolo. He's an interesting. Be better than Danny Dimes than the New York Giants. Well, I think that's I think that's the logic. I think that is exactly the logic. Is Jimmy Garoppolo can win you games if you put mm. the right pieces around him. He can win some games for you. Now, the counter to that argument is he's had a very you know, successful, offensive-minded coach and some great weapons around him and a stable organization. And he could, like, just about help him win some games. Yeah, he's not going to be in a more perfect scenario than he already is. And so wherever he goes, he's probably going to get diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably, like, if someone's looking for a couple of years of safety, you know, like, um, try to think of that, might you? New Orleans. Is anybody looking for that? Well, because of the, the nature of the NFL is so boom or bust, you want to be going for the Super Bowl or crash out so that you can get the new uh, um, Joe Burrows. Well, if you look like where Miami were a couple of years ago, you know, where they... And they're in such a better position now. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, them fight... Where's, do you know where that, law, where that lawsuit's ended? The coach, because he, he took the NFL to court. Yeah, well, he's got a job now. Right. Uh, at Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, offensive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Defensive, I think, but yeah. But uh, I don't know um, what's happening with the law, the, the lawsuit, but I mean, he, he wanted to... The Giants were embroiled in it because of the law, the Rooney law of having to interview uh, black candidates for he- head coaching jobs. Mm. But they were already interviewing somebody mm. uh, because they were interviewing their own defensive coordinator. Yeah, also yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't understand. I think they genuinely were interested in Flores until they got um, Joe Shane in, and Joe Shane said, "No, I've already got my man." Mm. Uh, but I think before Joe Shane was appointed as the GM, the ownership really did want Flores mm. as. So I mean, I understand his grievance, uh, f- and it, you know, it's incredibly brave to take a stand, and you know, he risked it all, risked ever getting another job in the NFL. Um, and we'll, we're yet to see whether he ever is a head coach again. But you think he would be? Because you think of his the actual on paper, if you, the actual record he put together compared to how bad Miami's track record had been before him mm-hmm. wasn't too bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And uh, not only was it not too bad, but it, it, he had everybody around him trying to make it as shit a situation as possible, and he still managed to make it. Uh, respect and i think that's where the grievance ultimately lies is that all you know he's he feels like he's got enough evidence to say hang on a minute i was the only i was the only guy actually trying to mm-hmm. improve the culture win games develop a system where we have player development you cunts were all just trying to tank uh-huh. the team to get better draft picks and i was fighting an uphill 
battle and was oh. therefore fired for the wrong reasons. Which you would think if he's, if he's got like a smoking gun on that, you would think, yeah. could, you know, like, like you say, fair play to him. Yeah. More power to him for uh, for doing that, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We can, uh, you know, uh, they, they say nobody tanks in the NFL, but only, only fans uh, tank. Yeah. Because they want, you know, the number one overall pick because they uh, want to get that. They want the new world, the, the, the new age of having the new quarterback or something. But the other people who are fans who do tank are owners. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But everybody else between has got a job to defend. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, who's your man? Brian, uh, Lafleur came out and said that about Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Said that, you know, there's always rumors that he might go to Denver. Yeah. And Denver might just throw, you know, Fort Knox at him to get him to yeah. Denver. And uh, Lafleur was like, Matt Lafleur was like, if he goes, we're all getting fired because we will have a six and 12 season. Yeah. You know, for the next four years. Right. And they, and we will all get fired. Yeah. Green Bay don't know what it's like to not have a good quarterback. They've been spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a brief 15-year or I guess like 10-year period, I guess, maybe between Bart Starr and <laughs> Brett Favre or whatever it was. Well, they were quite rubbish in that period. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. Um, have you have you been looking at the NFL Combine at all? No. It sounds like a great weekend. So you, know, you know it's in Indianapolis every year. Well, this is going to be the last year, though, in Indianapolis. Is it? Apparently. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, it's been in Indianapolis for a long yeah. time. And apparently there's like these six steakhouses everyone goes to, yeah. these six dive bars everyone goes to. It's just a massive sports day, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a big sport. Well, it's, yeah, it's a big sports day. You go, do your little throw in, do your little jumpy jumpy, and your dad's going to go for a beer yeah. <laughs> in the evening. Yeah. And it sounds like the best time. You just I love sports days. Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite event at sports day? Uh, I like the hammer. You like the hammer? Yeah. Was, your, was that your nickname in primary school? <laughs> David the Hammer Whitney. <laughs> and at military school, and at drama school, <laughs> and especially in ballet. <laughs> Next up, we have the hammer. <laughs> Performing the nutcracker suite due to the fact that he has forgotten his jock strap. <laughs> it's a very sophisticated ballet joke for everyone. <laughs> Um, I was always an egg and spoon man. In ballet? In ballet. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. Exclusively in ballet. No, at sports day, that was my uh, that, was, that was my jam. Egg and spoon. Do you use jam to stick the egg to the spoon? I wish I did. My brother, what? Was, uh, what? My brother was a big egg and spoon cheater. He what, was a... what a life hack. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of jam under your egg, mate. Yeah. Won't go anywhere. <laughs> Although you do look a bit weird trying to give four-year-olds advice with a jam jar outside school gates. What you want to do is, no, it's innocent. I'm just giving them jam for the egg and spoon. Come on. No. Thomas, are you running a book on the sports day again? <laughs> no, it's just little Jimmy's got a lot of potential. Why, why have all the kids got very small pencils? It's fine. Don't you worry about that. I'll give you a taste. I'll give you a taste of the back end. Mr. Peters, you just let him race. Don't, don't like the sound of Mr. Peters' back end. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best part of primary school. After, <laughs> I will confess to that. Yeah, I, I, I did think I was because apparently, as, as a punter, you can go out to the combine. All oh, right, and just watch. Right? It seems like it's... What do you mean? It seems amazing. You just get to watch what, like a hundred college. Kids do a 40-yard dash. 
and then and then do how can how high can they jump from a standing start yeah and you and a bench press and you do i tried to do the bench press for, for, for a while um because the bench press is it's 225 pounds which yeah. is 108 kilos so i i tried every year for a few years to be able and basically you have to do it to to failure mm -hmm. so how many reps you can do 108 kilos um and i tried to beat the worst because not everybody does it you know if you're going to go and be a quarterback or a mm -hmm. kicker you won't even bother doing the, the the bench press and it tends to be the offensive lineman that they uh, i can't even remember what the record is it's about 50-ish it sounds right yeah um but it would be quite regularly somebody who was not a particularly good quarterback that was expected to get in like the third round who just wanted to show off because they had quite a good yeah uh um, bench press and they'd normally do about 18 would be the worst would be the worst recorded one at each combine yeah right and so i every year try to beat the worst bench press in my own personally it was it, it wasn't some years i did it as, as a, a non-professional athlete sometimes being able to do it shows that it's not impossible yeah well i, th I think that'd be the best that'd be the best crack i think if you're out, out there with your mates Cause that, cause that's what would happen is you would end up it's you know, like when you watch the olympics and like you've never seen someone do a pirouette before and within like 30 seconds of watching an olympic event you're like she hasn't she hasn't planted a foot there is she It'd be the same with the combine how, how do you have any idea what your 40 yard dash would be um my but it's 40 isn't it Not is it is is a 40 yard dash i think i would comp be comparing myself to rich eisen uh -huh. the 50 52 year old broadcaster yes i know who richard who who runs every year yeah. uh, that'd be my goal what does he do it in three minutes yeah it's about two and a half weeks i think he uh he usually knocks it out a bank holiday weekend yeah a long weekend he runs it in a long weekend um right speaking of two weeks actually so we've got a bit follow week before the six nations um what are you? What's the one thing you'd like to see happen in the next round of the Six Nations? Scotland to grow some balls. Yep. To to just after, to to play like they to play any other team like they're playing England. Why can they be heroic only when it's the old enemy? Just play with like they utterly shat their bed against Wales and and they did against against France. Although France were perfect. Mm -hmm. But let's see, I mean, it's Italy next, but let's see a clinical professional performance. Yeah, good. Agree to that. Right, that's been an episode of Odd Shaped Balls. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Been very cunt heavy, hasn't it? <laughs> very cunt heavy.